Great. Thanks, Andrew, ever so much for beginning a new series uh, today on the book of Daniel called Walking with Lions. Hashtag all you tweeters, Walking with Lions. That's going to take us right the way through um, to Advent, and it's uh, about 95 days to Christmas uh, this morning. That's not right. It's actually 95 days this morning until Christmas. Um, uh, I'd like us to pray um, for the journey that we're going to go on uh, in the book of Daniel, and particularly for Claire as she comes and brings God's word uh, to us from that book this morning. Father, we thank you that your word is alive and active. We thank you that Daniel and his journey with you and for you speaks right into our lives and our situations today. In that sense, your word is timeless and the principles are true. And so, Lord, I ask for myself and for each of us as we travel through this book, that you would open its pages to us, that we would, in a miraculous way, reach across the thousands of years, and we would hear you speak right into our lives and our church and our community and our workplace and our families and where we spend our leisure time. And Lord, this morning, would you give Claire everything that she needs? Would you anoint her? Would you fan into flame all that you've given to her to share with us in these moments? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. It's a a privilege to start this sermon series off in Daniel. We're starting right in the middle of the book, though, Daniel 10. Just to, uh, you know, confuse you, we're not starting right at the beginning, but we will dive back to chapter one next Sunday. So uh, do not panic. We're not being crazy and going backwards through the book of Daniel, because that would be silly. So we're thinking about Daniel and how he had the faith to walk with lions. It's one of the more sci-fi passages in the Bible that we read today. There was kind of angels and warriors and all kinds of things. You would see it on Star Trek, to be honest. It's an incredible passage, and you're going to find it really useful to have it open. So do find a Bible there in the front, and we're diving into chapter 10. Six and a half years ago, I discovered myself in an alien land. Not only was I living in Ipswich, which when you're from Bath feels like an alien land, because it's a long way away from the rolling hills, I was thrust into the alien land of parenting. Now, if you have had kids, you will know that everything changes. From your sleep patterns, through to what you wear, to whether you can get makeup on in the morning and get out before midday. Everything changed. I found myself in an alien land. Hannah's nodding. She found herself in an alien land a year ago. And there are many times when we feel like we are in an alien land. Perhaps you start a new job and you don't even know where the toilets are. Anyone else? Or maybe you start a new school or university or or whatever it is. You find yourself in an alien land. In those times, we need to hear God's voice. 
Just like Daniel found himself in an alien culture, in an alien place, in an alien set of people, he needed to hear God's voice. He needed to hear God's wisdom. He needed to know God's truth. He needed to know God's ways and words. He needed God's vision. He needed all of these things in an alien land that he found himself in. We see this clearly from the book of Daniel. And we're going to think a lot more about that culture and that alien place that Daniel found himself in next week. But the important thing for us today to remember is that Daniel heard God speak. Daniel received all of those things that are on the screen in an alien land. I needed, when Lucy was born six and a half years ago, to know God's truth, God's way, God's vision, and God's rest. They were the only reasons I survived those first six months of being a parent in an alien land. Am I just talking to myself? Or have you ever felt like you're in an alien culture, in an alien place, and actually you look around and you think, nothing's familiar anymore? At that point, we need to hear God's voice. And Daniel gives us loads and loads of tips on how, even in an alien culture, he managed to hear God's voice. So I hope you're sitting comfortably, because the two points are not comfortable at all. I'm going to make you really uncomfortable. There are two things that helped Daniel know God's voice. Let's look at verses 10 to 12. Daniel had an encounter with an angel of the Lord who brought God's word to him. Let's read it together. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, his hands touched me and set set me trembling on my hands and knees. It's a powerful encounter that Daniel has with the angel of the Lord. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I've been sent to you. I would have stood up at that point. I think you would too. He continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come to respond to them. Daniel, in an alien world, knew God's voice and he listened really carefully and he experienced an incredible encounter with God. I would have loved to hear those words in an alien culture. Do not be afraid, Daniel. I've heard your prayer. Now listen, I'm going to share some stuff with you. Daniel knew God's voice, even in an alien culture. And how did he know it? Well, he had a number of things that from his past, he brought with him into that alien culture. We know that Daniel was a well-educated Jewish man. He was probably from a royal family, so to be taken off in exile was huge for him. He would have been steeped in a Jewish culture from birth. Hebrew practices were taught from a very young age. Extended families would have had rhythms of prayer and praise and worship together. There were even very small children who could recite the words from Deuteronomy about loving their Lord, their God, Don't ask my kids, but I'm working on it. Even the smallest of children knew the word of God. And they had a number of patterns which have appeared up on the screen which helped them 
to know God's voice and to make space every single day to hear God's voice. And my best Hebrew is going to obviously help here. So they had a morning prayer, a time where they would wake up at morning light and they would pray blessing. Blessing on the day. They'd thank God for the blessing of the day. And then around lunchtime, there would be an offering in the temple, a grain offering, where they thanked God for their needs. And the whole nation would stop and give thanks God to God for all that he provided. And then at bedtime, uh, as the light faded... They would have nightfall prayers. There would be much more a time about praying for God's kingdom to come, to to dwell in their area. They had a regular rhythm, day in, day out, that helped them stop and hear God's voice. Every day was pitted with prayer. Every day had a rhythm. Every day made sure that they were in the right place to worship God and to allow him to speak. we look in Daniel 6, we find that Daniel took this rhythm of the day and he carried on doing it, even in a land which said he shouldn't worship the great God Yahweh, but worship the Babylonian kings, even in a land that was so alien to his upbringing that he probably felt like he was standing on the head, his head, he still carried on doing those things. So in verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, just as he's about to be thrown into the lion's den, you'll remember that story from Sunday school, you will have him reading this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, that was, that if anyone didn't worship the Babylonian gods, they'd be thrown in with the lions, he went at home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And this is the important thing, just as he had done before. When we find ourselves in an alien culture, it's really tempting that everything goes out the window and that we're just trying to find a new way and it's tricky. But actually, even in an alien land, Daniel kept the rhythm of prayer that he'd learned from a very young age and he kept that. He carried on with that and that helped him hear from God and know God's voice. That's why what we've done today by uh, praying for Oscar and his family is so important. We're thanking God for him, of course, but we're also saying from a very young age, Oscar can hear God. From a very young age, Oscar can experience God. Heather prayed an awesome prayer that Oscar would never know a day where he's not loved by his father. Even from a very young age, Daniel knew that. And he had things in place, obviously planned by his parents and his extended family, that helped him have a rhythm of hearing God's voice and worshipping him. Now, I'm seeing glazing over. Do we need coffee? I'm challenged by this because, actually, I'm a spontaneous kind of lady. I absolutely hate the school run. It drives me crazy. It's at the same time every day, and it always rains, and it just gives me doorstops at the end of my day, and it bores me senseless. I'm not that kind of person to have that spontaneous nature it, uh, squashed out of my life. Other us are thinking, well, this rhythm sounds all very good, and if I do that three times a day, will God be very pleased with me? It's a way of pleasing God. Oh, brilliant, I've done my three prayers a day, tick, off to heaven I go at the end of my life. It's not like that. 
Other of us may be sitting here and thinking, well, that's a lot of rules. Three times a day to praise God. That sounds a bit strange. Some of us are sitting here and thinking, Claire, that sounds really good, but I'm so busy at the moment. My season of life is busy, busy, busy. I can't possibly squeeze this into my world. Even with my highly spontaneous nature, I'm learning that like God set the seasons of life up, spring, summer, autumn, every year we have them, God has ordained that we should have a rhythm of life of prayer because otherwise it can be Sunday to Sunday before we connect with God. We come back to God and think, oh, we didn't do anything with you this week. I've not heard your voice at all. Even like we have the seasons of a year, God asks us to have a rhythm in our life. It's for our blessing. And in those busy times, especially in the hard times like Daniel found himself in, we need those daily rhythms. So a few questions for you to think about. I'm not going to ask you to talk about them because that would be cruel. No, I'm not going to be cruel. When was the last time you really made space for God to speak? Some of us can say, Brody and I did that this morning. Some of us, it may be many years before we can say, yeah, actually, we've heard God speak into my life. And the second question, do you have a daily rhythm of connecting with God? And what does it look like? Some of us here at Burlington have started trying to pray at 7 in the morning, lunchtime around 12 o'clock and 7 in the evening as a way of modelling what the Jewish practice was. I pray the Lord's Prayer at lunchtime every single day. And when I first started, I was like, right, my phone's beeping at me, that means I've got to pray. But actually, as I do it, it stops me at lunchtime and says, right, Claire, just, just for a moment, focus on God. He's going to equip you for the afternoon. It's a great way of pitting my life with prayer. Love you to think about those questions as we go into the week. The second thing, though, that enabled uh, Daniel to hear God is even more uncomfortable than having a rhythm of prayer, and it's an F word. Oh, dear. Right, moving on. It's the fasting word. We can have the next slide, please. Daniel had regular times of fasting. Confession's good for the soul. I am the world's worst faster, as you can see by the size of me. I hate it. It's so hard for me. I love coffee. I love red wine. I love food. I'm so excited to get to heaven where there's banquets. For me, food has played such an important part of my life. I was so happy as a youth worker because it always involved donuts and pizza. And some of you are smiling because you've eaten a lot of donuts and pizza with me. And God ordains that food is an important part of our life. It sustains us. It's important. But actually, also, if we read in the Bible, most of the greats fasted from food. The spiritual discipline of fasting is one of the ones that I would seriously avoid at all costs. But wait for it. The spiritual discipline of fasting is the one thing that has changed my walk with God in the last year in a more incredible way than I could ever have asked for. I find it so hard, but the blessings associated to fasting have been huge in my life. Sadly, not in a weight loss way, but anyway, moving on. This little quote has been driving me crazy for the last six months. 
Sometimes you are so hungry that the only thing you need to do is fast. Sometimes you're so hungry, the only thing to do is fast. Keep that in mind as we just explore the next few things. Let's go back to Daniel 10. We read in Daniel 10 that he um, has had all these incredible experiences where God has proved massively faithful whilst he's in this uh, incredible time of being chucked into the, the lion's den and all kinds of other things. And we get to Daniel 10, and it goes a bit crazy from here on in lots of angels and, and, and truth and pictures about what is going to happen in Babylon and how it's going to fall. So God speaks really clearly to Daniel in quite a crazy way, lots of pictures And uh, we'll find that towards the end of this sermon series a little bit more. But before that happens, in in verse 2 and 3, it says, At that time, Daniel mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until those three weeks were over. I'm sure by the end of the three weeks, he didn't have many friends either, because he probably smelt a bit. This is just one of the times where we read of Daniel fasting. It would appear that it was a regular routine for all that he did. Just like he paused every day for prayer. He had seasons where he fasted. Sometimes they were just part of life. That's what he did. It was a time for him. Sometimes, like when he was about to be thrown into the lion's den, he fasted as a way of saying, I need to be prepared for what could be the worst experience of my life. Biblical fasting is so key for us as a church to grasp. (laughs) Biblical fasting is to restrict food for a spiritual purpose. Now, if you just do the first two words in that, to restrict food, then you're on a diet. If you do the whole thing, then you have a spiritual fast. Restricting food for a spiritual purpose We read that all of the greats in the Bible, Jesus, Paul, Ezra, Nehemiah, they all fasted in this way for periods of time. It's not a diet, but it might have health benefits. But it is about, for a spiritual purpose, restricting food. This quote is fantastic. In a a book called The Daniel Fast, uh, the lady Susan writes this. Fasting is a spiritual tool that God created to help you, help you, and strengthen your spirit. To learn self-control, not good at that, and to draw closer to your Father and focus on prayer. It's a spiritual tool that God's given us. Part of the toolbox, along with prayer and along with solitude and and many other things that God focuses on. And he says, this is a tool. I want you to use it. And why? Well, there are a number of reasons why God uses this as a spiritual tool. I've got four. There are a few others. And uh, there are lots of books by wiser people than me that you can read. And I'll point you in the right direction at the end of this. But number one, fasting is about putting an intentional pause in our lives so that we can draw near to God and he can draw near to us. Life goes fast. Is that just me? One week after another week, it's only 94 days till Christmas. Who's finished their Christmas shopping? Sally? Sally will help anyone with their Christmas shopping. She's organised. Life goes fast. It feels like two minutes ago that it was last Christmas. Life goes fast. And before we know it, 
It's next Christmas, next Christmas. Fasting helps us pause. Fasting helps us stop. Fasting helps us intentionally make space to draw near to God and to make space for him. We used to fast every Friday when I was at Bible college. It was the busiest day in the pub uh, for food that day because they didn't serve us at Bible college, so we all went to the pub instead, which is a confession. Um, we were terrible at it but one term we decided as a a year group to go for it and fast and in the first few weeks um, we just all moaned we were hungry and then in the second few weeks um, we we realised we'd made a mistake because we didn't just plan our menus i.e. we weren't going to eat lunch at the pub but we hadn't made space to pause and to reflect on God Fasting is about intentionally pausing in our life and making space. We have to have time, not just to not eat, if that makes sense, but to pause. But number two, fasting also helps us tune out the noise of the world. My life from half past six in the morning is jolly noisy. Uh, It's always noisy in our house. I love it that way, but by about four o'clock, I do think, oh, some peace and quiet would be lovely. Life is noisy, whether it's kids or your family or your workplace, it's noisy. You go to Tesco's, it's noisy. Everywhere is noisy. Fasting helps us almost tune out all the noise of the world and focus on that spiritual purpose of of drawing closer to God. It's not your rumbling tummy that should be the loudest when you're fasting. It should be God's voice. And fasting helps us do that. Number three, fasting uh, reminds us of the way we're made. Now, this is a whole sermon series. I'm not going there. But we are body. We are mind. We are spirit. We are soul. That's the way God has made us. And fasting helps us remember that all of those things need feeding. Not just our body, but our spirit and our soul needs feeding. Not just our Um, our physical body, but our mind needs feeding. After a few years of parenting, I realised that and needed to read something other than parenting novels. (laughs) Our minds need feeding. That's the way God made us. Every part of our body needs feeding, and fasting helps us to remember that. And number four, as that book says, um, fasting is uh, helping us develop self-control. Now, if you have self-control, could you please come and see me at the end and teach me what this is about? This is such a hard thing. I um, once went strawberry picking when I was fasting. I don't recommend it. It's the hardest thing in the world. There was Sam stuffing his face with strawberries, and there was me going, I just want one. One would be fine. I got to the end, and I felt really good. I felt like God had taught me something about self-control in a way that if I hadn't have been fasting that day, he wouldn't have. Fasting helps us develop self-control. There are four good reasons. There are many more. There are so many more. But we need to remember that Daniel took this really, really seriously. So that he had the faith that survived being thrown into a lion's den, that helped him survive in an alien culture, he had a regular rhythm of fasting. And there are two types of fasting that we read of in Scripture. There's number one, which is a complete fast. Uh, Jesus did that, didn't he? As we read in Luke, uh, he went into the desert. He didn't eat anything for 40 days and 40 nights. 
But I want to uh, focus on the second one in the last uh, 15 minutes of our time together. Daniel did a partial fast. He gave up a number of things, and that verse reminds us. He ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched his lips. He partially fasted. He removed a number of things that were uh, freely available to him in this culture, and he fasted from them for three weeks. Let's have a look at the things that Hebrew scholars have told us that Daniel gave up. It's most likely that he gave up meat, fish, gluten, dairy, all kinds of leavening products, so uh, things made with yeast, sugar, including honey, alcohol. He probably didn't have caffeine, but they had a a similar type of uh, stimulant available to them at that time. Fried food and highly processed food, including McDonald's. Oh, you're all Brilliant. Daniel, uh, scholars tell us, removed these things from his life um, for a period of time. It's called the partial fast. Do you wonder what's left? What's left? Vegetables. Vegetables. Well done. Let's have a look at the list of what's left. Vegetables. Now, obviously, he didn't have tinned vegetables or frozen ones, but this is a list of of things that those of us who have done the Daniel fast have found really good. I actually discovered I like dates. Who knew? Quite like prunes. Who knew? He would have eaten an awful lot of vegetables, and they were available to him. He would have eaten beans and and certain grains. He would have eaten herbs and seasoning. But it's quite a basic diet, isn't it? Quite a basic fast. Our friends from uh, Ipswich Community Church have, have done this kind of fast in a number of ways. I don't, they were hoping to come and speak, but I don't think they've made it. They have. You're in the middle. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Wally's going to come up and share with us about his experience um, of fasting or their church's experience of fasting because uh, we have an awful lot to learn from these guys. So why don't we give them a Burlington welcome? Uh, that's a clap. Thank you so much for coming. Um, every January, from middle of January to first week in February, we tend to do three weeks of Daniel fast. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, if you look at verse 6, Jesus says, when you pray. So that means he expects us to pray, and then he goes on to teach us how to pray. Ten verses later, in verse 16 of the same Matthew 6, he says, when you fast. It's not if you fast, it's when you fast. You know, and from what we have had this morning, a rhythm of fasting is what we have tried to build into our, into our church life. So every January, we tend to do three weeks of fasting. And um, there are many benefits we have derived from fasting together. You know, number one, it enables people to fast at a level that is comfortable with them. Somebody who's been fasting for so many years cannot be compared with somebody who is just beginning to fast. But when we come together to fast and we meet in groups, then we are able to encourage one another. Fasting is necessary as part of, 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 of working in God and within God. I just wonder if anybody has ever received a phone call, maybe in a pub, 
or in a noisy place in a stadium, football grounds. Has anybody ever received any phone call? You are in a noisy place, then your phone goes on. What do you do? What do you try to do? Talk to me. Yeah, exactly. You want to move away from the noisy place. The same thing. That's what fasting does. God is always trying to get to us. But more often than not, the noise around us prevents us from hearing God. So when God is on the other end of the line, we want to go into a quiet place. And that's exactly what we do when we fast. And in the last few years, I've been part of IIC, Ipswich International Church. We've had testimonies of people um, of what they have derived when we come together to fast. There are people who have dropped habits that were not necessarily sinful, but have not really, but not expedient. We last January we had a sister who, after as a result of fasting, has just stopped smoking. She just says she's not been able to smoke since. And you you just find that that those areas you have struggled with many times they just drop off. And secondly, we had testimony of someone who, as a result of fasting, um, well, there was clarity. In, in, in when, and there, there has been confusion in various areas and all that. But after our fasting and praying, they come back with testimony saying there was clarity as to what they should do and how they should go about things. And we've had testimonies of people who have who have what we call breakthrough in their place of work as a result of fasting. We've come to realize from experience that fasting doesn't move God. But what fasting does is to get us to hear what God really wants to get across to us. He loves us. He wants the best for us. But then we are so busy in our own way that we are not listening or paying attention to him. So those are some of the benefits we have. And as a result of which we make it part of our lifestyle. I mean, a few weeks ago, as a church, we just felt that there were certain things that were happening. And uh, God called us to a week of fasting. And we were meeting twice a day, you know, at noon and at 7 o'clock. And uh, we were quite happy with the response and the testimonies as well that came from there. So we've collectively, and since we began fasting this year, for example, the groups of the relational cells that have developed from the time of fasting are still going on. Six, I mean, eight, nine months after we stopped fasting, after the Daniel fast, they're still going on. We still meet in groups and are enjoying one another's company. So these are some of the benefits we have derived, you know, but then it's a bit of sacrifice in order to pay attention to what God really wants us to hear from him. He loves us, he wants the best for us. But I will close with this. In Matthew chapter 17, and I think in verse 21, the Bible says there, it depends on your translation. Most modern translations, NIV, ESV, don't have it. But the traditional King James says that there are certain things that don't go except by prayer and fasting. It says that, and the same thing in Mark chapter 9. This does not go except by praying and fasting. One thing fasting will do for you, which has done for us on many occasions, is that it reveals yourself to you. You don't really know yourself. I don't really know myself, but God does. So when I fast, more often than not, God shows me what's in here. And that's exactly, I believe, one of those things he really wants to do. He wants us to bring us to who we really are so that we can 
allow him to do what he wants to do that we can enjoy all that he has provided for us. Let me just end with what the psalmist says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Thank you so much. We've been inspired by what these guys have been doing. They've pushed in to God as they've fasted. It's been a encouraging and exciting to see and to hear testimony after the testimony of what God has been doing there. So thank you so much for coming to share with us. Uh, I'm hoping you're feeling slightly inspired rather than just petrified because I have an invitation for us all. You were waiting for it, weren't you? This is an invitation for us to fast as a church together. To do this kind of partial fasting. To pray together, God... Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come in my life. Let your kingdom come in the lives of those around me. Let your kingdom come in us as a church together, in our missional community, whatever it is. A few of you are looking really nervous. It's excellent, especially if you're in my missional community. Um, It's an exciting invitation that together for that week in October, we will, uh, a good number of us, hopefully, do this partial fast together. We're going to go from uh, Sunday after coffee. So we're going to feed you cake and coffee, and then we're going to partial fast together until the following Sunday, where we're going to eat bacon sandwiches together. Because I could talk a lot more about feasting. Because with fasting, God also talks about feasting. And breaking a fast together with a feast is a really important biblical example for us. So we're inviting everybody uh, within our missional communities, within our church, everybody to join us together. Why? Well, there are lots of reasons, and I've highlighted a lot of them, and we've already had uh, Wale share with us. But a collective fast is a fantastic way of us exploring the discipline of fasting. Doing it together does make it easier. I promise. It also keeps you accountable, so when you're thinking about that cup of coffee, it's really helpful to have someone else that you can go, oh, I'm desperate for that coffee, and they go, I know, but God's good. It's okay. You'll survive. You won't die. Doing it together is a really important value for us. And because of that, we're going to have a number of touch points throughout our week where we can meet together to worship, where we can meet together and have, uh, I'd say lunch, bring your salad, um, and pray together. Um, We're going to have a number of points where together we can come to the church building here and spend some time worshipping together and hopefully encouraging one another. Um, we're also going to have some times uh, in our missional communities and small groups as well where you can do that and encourage one another. We've set a Facebook site up, so if you're a Facebooker, uh, every day there'll be regular things going on there, and we're also going to email everybody uh, who would like that email to say, yep, I'm uh, doing this, and this is some daily encouragement and some daily prayer as well. There's a website already set up that's gone live. Um, the, the details are there. So if you go onto that webpage later today, 
Um, you can sign up for those daily emails and you can do all that kind of thing. Or you can come and talk to me um, or Hannah, who's going to wave just there, and you can sign up for those things as well. I probably won't post things out if that's okay in terms of using a stamp because it won't get there until the end of the week. Together, as a church community, we want to pause for that week. We want to cry out to God for our kingdom, his kingdom to come. We'd love as a church, like these guys down the road, to discover the joy, the sacrifice, and the power of fasting. And we'd love to do that together and to make fasting a regular part of our toolbox here at Burlington. And so why not do it together? I've got a few words of advice, though. I'm not just going to say, right, let's do it together and then not give you some advice. See, Daniel fasted, and incredible things happened, amazing things happened. He tuned into God's voice in a way that he hadn't previously. But here are a few pieces of advice. Um, and I think the most important one comes from Simon at the church meeting on Tuesday. And he reminded us that this is not about guilt. It's not about guilt. Some of us are sat here thinking, I couldn't do this in a million years. Please don't invite me. Please don't ask me. Or maybe we're not even a Christian and we're on a journey and you're saying, oh, this is ridiculous. Why am I uh, even thinking about this? There is no guilt. It does not make you a better Christian to do this, but it does make space to hear God's voice. It does help us pause. It does help us all those things that I've talked about. There is no guilt in doing this. However, there are a number of things you could do. Perhaps you want to do a partial, partial fast. It's a new term. It's not in the Bible. I made it up. A partial, partial fast. You could look at that list of food and say, do you know what, I'm going to give up caffeine for a week. Oh, a nervous giggle. I gave up red wine for Lent. In fact, I gave up all alcohol for Lent and discovered it was really hard and I was shocked by myself. Maybe you could give up sugar for a week. No. (laughs) Giving up chocolate was my nemesis. Maybe you could do a partial, partial fast, looking at that food list and saying, do you know what, as a family, we're going to give up meat this week. Okay, you get the idea. Some of you have already talked to me about the, um, the health consequences of this, and I just want to say something uh, really quickly about that. What you're effectively doing when you give up uh, eating in this way is engaging with a vegan kind of diet. I could not do this long term, but short term, I found that there are huge health benefits. Uh, When we did this in June, me and Rich came back from an all-inclusive holiday on the Sunday and started this on the Monday. It was blooming hard. But actually, the first two days we moaned. On Wednesday, I did think I was going to die. My head was pounding. I had the sugar rush feeling, oh, I just don't know what I'm doing. By Thursday, I felt a little better. By Saturday, we decided to carry on. Um, Why? Because actually, we felt clearer-headed than we had for a long time. And interestingly, Rich had terrible eczema and has since he was very small. Within six days of doing this fast, his eczema had cleared up. And uh, recently, we now discovered that he is completely allergic to dairy, uh, which is not helping my love of cheese, But actually, there are many health benefits to doing this, even for short term. 
Now, obviously, if you're worried, you're a diabetic, a number of things, you need to think very seriously about doing this, which is why partial, partial fasting is potentially a good way to do this. Or chat to your doctor about doing this. But the, the health benefits for a number of us around here, uh, I know Jane and Chris would talk to you about this a lot, um, are, are huge for us. And we've stopped eat well. Rich has definitely stopped eating dairy as a response of it, which has been really interesting for us. There are many, many health benefits to doing this. But my last point on what to do in preparation for doing this is to give up now. No, not go, I can't do it, it's impossible. I wish I'd given up the caffeine the week leading up to it. I wish I'd cut down my sugary food. Probably not when we were all inclusive. But actually, if you're thinking this is something you would like to do, you're feeling like, yeah, I'm going to push in and give this a shot. May I suggest you cut your caffeine down now? May I suggest you start thinking about the sugar content in things? Even gravy powder has sugar and milk in. Who knew? So it's worth starting to look at those kind of things as we prepare ourselves for it. The free from aisle will become your best friend. The first day of the Daniel Fast, I bumped into seven people from Burlington in the free from aisle in Sainsbury's. It was really lovely. We all shopped together. Didn't intend to, but it was really, really helpful to be there with them. Deep breath. Let's head back to Daniel as we close. Heard an awful lot on logistics. We've heard an awful lot on why. Some of you are thinking we're crazy. That's fine. What happened because Daniel fasted? There are loads of things, but here's, here's two for you. Because Daniel dared, because Daniel dared to put these rhythms in his life and to fast in this way, God gave Daniel strength and new vision. So in, in chapter 10, verse 18 and 19, it says, Again, the one who looked like a man, an angel, touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now. I was strengthened, and I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. I'd love God to speak to me that clearly in my life, and he does, he does. But often I'm so busy, and life is so noisy, that I miss it. Because Daniel paused and stopped and had a rhythm of routine of prayer and fasting, he was able to hear God's truth and wisdom for his own life, but also for the nation. How many of us would love to hear God's words for our church, for our friends, for our nation? Because Daniel trusted for hearing God in his own life, then God trusted Daniel with words for a nation. And Daniel needed strength and he needed vision to to hear from God and to uh, survive the testing times. Because he fasted, God gave him strength and vision. But number two, Daniel fasting helped him stand firm in his faith despite being in an alien culture. This is huge for us. You see, sometimes we hit really hard times and our routine and our pattern goes out. 